All right. Good morning, everybody. Let's uh, start the show. Let me let me get Telegram going over here. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, this is Just Human number 168, I think. And uh, if the camera's glitching on you a bit, if, if you know it's kind of stuttering, that's not you. It's me. I've been trying to fix it, and I'm not sure exactly what's going on. But I turned it off and turned it back on again. And I unplugged it, plugged it back in again. It's It's still doing it. So I guess... I guess my camera's just decided today it wants to have a stutter, and that's just how it's going to be. It is January 6, 2022, so of course it's an anniversary of January 6th and the insurrection, Fed-surrection, the coup against President Trump is what I think of it as. And I'm sure you're going to be assaulted in the mainstream media if you pay any attention to the mainstream media. Uh, they're going to be pushing that narrative. Uh, I really I saw a tweet from Michael Malice yesterday that any moment now the mainstream media are going to compare the the 20 America First Republicans in in the House. They're going to they're going to start comparing what they're doing to January 6th uh, if it hasn't already started. So watch out for that. It's uh it's coming, you know it, and it will just we'll just ignore it. Um 
Hope you guys are having a happy Friday and a, uh, a good flannel Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. Y'all know what I'm going to talk about today. There's, there's no doubt. <laughs> there's no doubt. We're definitely going to talk about the speakership battle today. And, uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the J6 bomber as well cuz there's some J6 bomber news that I want to uh I, I want to touch on um and dive into a revolver piece that's come from a long time ago but um there's some other information I found that I just find pretty interesting um and then we have if then we have uh, some news from the justice department and the Trump uh Mar-a-Lago documents case so, um, before I get into the, the main topic, um, I haven't done, oh, I haven't, I didn't turn on my on air sign today. Uh, I, I'll, I'll leave it. Um, before I get into the, the speakership battle, I haven't done much promotion at all this week. Um, I just want to. Go ahead and get that out of the way. Just a little bit of uh, um, ah, here we go, here we go. Just a little bit. Of, just to let you know, if you guys, you guys give the show lots of support, and I really appreciate it. And I just want to get this part of the show out of the way. If you guys are looking for ways to support the show, the best way is to share it. Um, the next best way is to hit that plus button on Rumble, the plus button or the thumbs up, whatever it is that you guys um whatever it looks like on your device uh that's that's the that, that helps me a lot in the rumble algorithm also leaving comments i've i keep my shows keep on hitting the rumble battle board somewhere in the top 50 and that's awesome i really appreciate it guys uh another way though if you want to do more than that is to go to justhuman.substack.com that's my Substack, and that's where I put out my podcast. And a subscription there, either free or paid, helps me out a lot. Um, I do occasionally put out articles. I don't put out that many. I'm just going to tell you up front. I don't. I haven't been writing that many articles. I've been more focused on just doing stuff for the show. Um, it's kind of I kind of my my allotment of time of what I can do as far as producing content is constricted by kids and being being a, a stay at home dad. So I I, cho- I choose to put a bunch more into the show than I do writing articles in my Substack. But I do occasionally put out some pieces there, such as this templates article, which continues to pay dividends to me. I really uh I really am proud of this article. And I feel very strongly about it. Um, another way is buymeacoffee.com. This way is, um, I had somebody bring it up to me in an email. This way is actually better than a Rumble rant because Rumble takes about 20% of the rant, uh, whereas buymeacoffee.com only takes 5%. So the majority of your dollar ends up going to where you intend it to go to. Um, if you want a product, though, there's red, red, white, bourbon45.com where I have some of my merch, including mugs like this one. Or you can go to bensonhoneyfarms.com, get yourself some honey, use rep code just human. That helps me out as well. Um, I don't, I haven't done much self promotion this day and told, or this week and told y'all about ways to support the show. There you go. 
got that out of the way. And let's get let's get to the the topic that's going to be a bit contentious today, I think. Um, I think we've all been watching the speakership battle, and so far, <laughs> so far it hasn't yielded a speaker it's been what 11 ballots um and where is that new york times there it is there it is. no is that it i think that's i think that's it i wanted to get the count of how it had gone uh we'll look at this again later but this is how it's gone so far 11 rounds and kevin mccarthy has been his lowest has been 200. His highest has been 203. Jim Jordan has gotten 20 at most. Byron Donalds has gotten 20 at most. Kevin Hearn has gotten seven at most. Uh, Donald Trump got nominated and got one. And uh, Hakeem Jeffries has gotten 212 every single time. I know a lot of people have said that we're having a debate happen. We're having, this is how it's supposed to go. We're having a debate on the, and we're watching a debate happen in the house. Um, I do agree that this is how the process goes in the house. We're all supposed there. They are supposed to vote on who they want to be speaker and continue voting until someone has a majority right now. The house is operating on bare bones rules and whoever has a, whoever gets a simple majority first is going to be speaker. And anything the House does has to be done on a majority vote, whatever it is, whether they want to adjourn, take a, take a lunch break, acknowledge the calendar, whatever. It doesn't whatever it lower, dim the lights, play music. It has to be a majority vote. And. Totally agree that this is how the process works, but I don't agree that debate is happening or negotiation is happening on the floor. We're not actually watching that happen. All we're watching are people stand up and nominate someone, give us five minute speech about it, and then everybody does the same thing again and votes. And I don't specifically have a problem with that, but like that in and of itself. But we're not watching a debate happen. We're not watch we're not actually seeing back and forth people uh, representatives standing up and making their case necessarily. They just, they just stand up, do their five minute speech. And then the voting starts all over again. And I got to say that Badlands media has been doing a fantastic job covering this. Yes. I'm biased because I'm one of the people who is involved in Badlands media and do a show on Sunday nights called defected uh, with burning bright. But Badlands Media has done a fantastic job. Um, it's mostly been Patel and or John and CanCon and Chris Paul commenting on it. And they've done a great job explaining things. They've had several guests on. I enjoyed Mike Lindell being on last night for a short time. I thought Mike was pretty funny and very, uh, very, very typical Mike Lindell. Uh, I enjoyed him being on and the, the conversation that they had. And the commentary that that John and CanCon and Chris Paul have been having 
while they've been covering this speaker battle has been pretty funny to me because they have their little discussion in between the uh, the voting. And then while the voting is happening, there's like this really low key commentary from from them, whether it's be like, oh, that's uh yeah, that's um he's from the New York district and uh he's gonna say a few words now. Uh, there he goes. And like oh, and you see over here there's George Santos. Somebody finally acknowledged him. And it reminds me of like watching the Olympics or watching some sporting event and the commentators are trying not to talk over what is happening in the sporting event, but they're making commentary about, oh, like so-and-so is wearing this today, or there's so-and-so's family over there just outside of bounds cheering them on. Isn't that adorable to see? Like, it's hilarious to me. Um, that's just the feel of it. Um, but those guys have done a fantastic job. And uh, if you're interested, I, I suggest uh, checking out their coverage of, uh, of, of the speaker vote. Um this is not, as you probably know, we've seen speaker battles go, or not we haven't seen. We haven't seen. This is the first time in 100 years that it's taken this many votes to f- try and get a speaker. But it has gone longer. And this guy put out this tweet, uh, Greg Ducet. And by the way, if you go to follow this guy, he's pretty on the left, okay? He's, he's very on the left, just FYI. But that doesn't matter because this tweet is very, very good. Um, many times it's gone to two votes, three votes, nine or more, even to 133 votes back in 1855. Now, before I get into my unpopular assessments and take you down, um, some, some analysis and commentary, I want to play for you some of my favorite clips from what we've been watching. Let me make sure I have this queued up right. Yeah, here we go. So this is one of my favorite tweets that I that came across and uh, favorite moments from the speakership battle. Let me zoom in just a bit for y'all. This Kevin McCarthy, this is from uh, Kamal Bell, who I'm pretty sure is also on the left, uh, says, yes, this Kevin McCarthy thing is hilarious, but also let's not forget to enjoy that George Santos clothes and body language look like he is in one of those movies where a 12 year old boy magically wakes up in the body of a congressman. (laughs) It's so true. Santos McCarthy. It's. I think that's one of the most apt description of George Santos. It really does look like he is like this character in a movie who doesn't belong there, and he knows he doesn't belong there. Uh, by the way, there's there's more news on him. Yesterday came, it, um, was reported that uh, the FEC is looking at something else about George Santos, where he got a number of donations that are just below the reporting line, like a bunch of donations that are like a a penny less than the amount that you have to hit to report it. And he's gotten a whole series of them. (laughs) So the FE he got while he's there at the speakership battle being awkward. uh, The FEC is uh, sent a letter to his uh, campaign staff demanding an accounting 
and notifying them that they're under investigation for uh, such things. This is probably my favorite George Santos clip I've seen and one of my favorite clips from the, the hearing. It pains me to have Radiohead playing over this, but as a Radiohead fan, but it's just too perfect. And that's that's pretty much been how it's gone for Santos is at every moment he's just kind of there and trying to find a way to be a part of whatever it is is going on. <laughs> and C-SPAN seems to have a camera that is dedicated to Santos. Like this camera only follows Santos around and most of the time he's just like this just slightly outside of whatever is going on and wishing someone would acknowledge him. I did see that yesterday he, he was sitting with MTG for a while and I felt, I felt, I felt so bad. I felt so bad for MTG. Uh, cause what, what's she going to do? Just like shoo him away on camera. I think, I think most Republicans are just Republicans and Democrats are just trying to stay outside of his reach and not acknowledge him and hoping that wherever they sit, he doesn't come and sit next to them. (laughs) But apparently he got brave enough to go and sit next to MTG and she had to, she had to acknowledge him. I feel, I feel bad for her. And then this, this might be my favorite clip period. Let me, uh, yeah, let me make sure the volume's up because this volume's starting out low. Okay. So this, this right here, so good. You dreamt of Dracula, you mm-hmm. said? While we're on this sort of stuff. <gasps> you heard of the Pied Piper? Mm-hmm. Well, in my dream, Pied Piper had toilet paper, one sheet mm-hmm. of the cheap kind. Yes. And mm-hmm. he took that and he ripped out a creme brulee and a little mm-hmm. tiny pepper. Uh-huh. Yes. Before mm-hmm. he ate mm-hmm. a tree. You didn't have that dream. Uh, yes, I did. Okay, nope. Okay, you did not. Don't tell me you did. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't never get to mm-hmm. dream of the Pied Piper eating mm-hmm. a tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you're telling me mm-hmm. you dreamed that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, then it wasn't as cool as my dream. You dreamt of. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. This is a uh, from bad lip reading on Twitter. <laughs> I'm so good. I love these. There's one more. Um, let me see this, this. This one was Dak. I think there's one more that I saved. Uh, maybe I, maybe I didn't save it. <laughs> oh, so good. This one from MT. That one's not as funny. Let's see. There's one more. Nope. That was it. That was it. Oh, so funny. Oh no, I saw it. I accidentally accidentally closed it. I saw it. Just a second. Just a second. I'm gonna get it. There's one more with Matt Gates. Let me go to his account. And I saw it over here on this side. There it is. There it is. Okay. 
I've heard. Yeah. Okay. I've heard that the floor asked for shrubs to be put in the common areas. Yeah, no, right. We will not let this slide because, like, when you obviously do that, we'd you know put in some rocks too. Oh, interesting. All rocks are my friends. I didn't know. I've heard that the floor asked for shrubs. <laughs> All rocks are my friends. And it really looks like she says that. Like, like. You know, put in some rocks, too. Oh, interesting. All rocks are my friends. I didn't know. Like, what else should, What else could she be saying besides all rocks are my friends? Like, it fits perfectly. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Now that I've made you laugh, or they've made you laugh, and I, I shared it with you. Oh, so good. Um, let's get to let's get let's get to some of this stuff. Lots of people disagreeing with me. If you watch my show on Monday and Wednesday, if you uh follow me on my socials, then, uh, you've probably caught why, uh, and caught some of what I've been getting at. Um, I have moved a little bit, a little bit, uh, I've moderated my position just a tad. Uh, but I am still of the opinion that Trump really does want McCarthy and I am still of the opinion that of the possibilities for who could actually be speaker, who could actually get enough votes to be confirmed as speaker, McCarthy's the best option. I'm not trying to tell you that I'm a McCarthy fan. I'm not a McCarthy fan. And I'm not trying to tell you that this thing playing, this process playing out isn't worth it in some respect. Um, I know a lot of people think that this is kayfabe or uh, Trump put McCarthy up to expose him. I could see a little bit of that, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's kayfabe. I think that, I think that Trump really does want McCarthy. And it's surprising to me how many people are just dismissing that. So I'm going to take you through just some uh some various tweets and some takes to just try and lay it out what is informing my perspective on this and uh we'll go through those and try not to uh fall into any binary thinking or assign me any perspective that I don't actually hold cuz my perspective is that I support Donald Trump and I think Donald Trump does genuinely support McCarthy for the speakership position and seeing people go against Donald Trump's pick doesn't sit well with me. And in a lot of, and really, I mean, it's kind of as simple as that. Um, I think it's a strategic pick because there isn't anyone who could garner enough support to be speaker besides him. I I don't believe that Donald Trump is getting bad advice or Donald Trump doesn't know how to hire people. Um I think Donald Trump knows exactly what he's doing. 
and I trust him. That's where I'm at. Um, that doesn't mean that McCarthy is great, although I think he could be compared to the other speakers we've had since the 90s. But that's not really saying much. I think we can all agree on that. Um, I saw um, a rumble rant I'm going to catch real quick. Um, Sammy the Squirrel, thank you and good morning. Uh, they say that Badlands is doing a great job, but they need me to come on and give my opinion on what's going on. They've asked me, I do appreciate that. A lot of people have asked me to go on Badlands and, um, have messaged John and them and asked me to go on and they've asked me to go on. It just has, it just hasn't worked out because I've, when they're doing their show, I have my kids. So it's one thing for me to be able to you know, be on my device and be interacting on social media while I have my kids running around, but I can't put the headphones on and get in front of this microphone and do an interview while I have my three and nine year old. Uh, so, and I, and and I mean, I could ask my nine year old to babysit my three year old for 30 minutes or so, but that's probably not a good idea. That would probably be considered bad parenting. Um, and also just a overall bad decision. So it just hasn't worked out. I do appreciate that everybody wants, or not everybody, that a lot of people have been asking for it. I really do appreciate it. Um, and we've had discussions, me and uh, Chris Paul specifically and John, um, in our chat. And I've conveyed to them my position on this. Um, we just disagree. I've moved a little bit closer to where Chris Paul is and adopted a little bit of his disposition where he's just enjoying the show and thinks this process is good. I've, I've, I've moved that way quite a bit, but I'm still sticking to where I'm at. So maybe it'll work out that I'll get to go on. Um, maybe it'll work out that there'll be, this thing will go later into the evening and I can ask my wife to, uh, take care of the kids while I join them for a time. Um, but yeah, uh, Razor Sharp says, good morning. It was easier for me to come in through truth than Twitter. I am already part of the community through, tr- through truth. Um, I am not sure what you're referring to. I may have forgot. Right now. Well, I've noticed, I'm noticing that my Twitter is growing quite a bit. I'm at real just human on Twitter. And I'm noticing that stuff I post on Twitter gets more traction than stuff I post on true social. Um, that's just like how it's going for me, but the, I'm liking, I'm liking both. Um, although true social definitely has a bot problem. Uh, I know they say they don't have bots, but they do. They do. Um, all right. Let me open up some of these. So Trump, as I've, as I've mentioned before, Trump tried to tell people this past summer that McCarthy is not a rhino and that McCarthy is doing good work for the Republican party, but nobody wanted to listen to him. Because Conservative Incorporated says that's not true.
And that's what people have stuck with over Trump. Elon Musk came out yesterday and said, Kevin McCarthy should be speaker. And boy, boy, did he, uh, did he get it for that? And he made this comment subtle, but I'm beginning to suspect opinions differ on this matter. (laughs) If not McCarthy, then seriously, who? And that really is the question. Who? Who are you going to be able to get in if not McCarthy? Shipwreck crew posted this, and I think that a lot of people are going to have a an issue with what I'm about to read to you here that Shipwrecked put forth. But there's truth in what he's saying. There's there's some truth in what he's saying, and I think it's important to at least consider consider what he's saying because this is a factor. Whether you agree with it or whether it's a factor for you, that's a different issue. But what shipwrecked true what shipwrecked crew put forth here is literally true. Some of it, not all of it. Some of it is commentary. But the other part's literally true. Kevin the Kevin McCarthy hate is just comical. Yeah, I know y'all aren't a lot of people aren't going to appreciate that. But it's it's nothing more than making him a caricature of things MAGA doesn't like about DC, whether it's applicable or not. There are a hundred other Kevin McCarthy's in the GOP caucus. Are they all unacceptable for the same reason? And I feel like this really hits home whether people are amiable to it or not. Conservative Incorporated and influencers and uh, just regular people are taking everything they don't like about D.C. and they're packaging it and assigning all of it to Kevin McCarthy. They're making him be emblematic of all that they don't like in D.C., whether he actually connects to those things or not. And that's one of the reasons I'm, this whole week I've been like, whoa, whoa, let's... Let's slow th- let's slow this roll down here uh, because we're we're moving forward being fueled by emotions and being fueled by a desire to take out everything on Kevin McCarthy, who is Donald Trump's pick. But when I bring that up to people, they're like, oh, they, they, they don't care. They don't care that he's Donald Trump's pick. They just dismiss it. It's like, whatever. So what is the plan for naming a speaker? The obstructors have halted the process. I actually disagree with that. I mean, they've halted it. It's literally true that they've they've stopped him from being confirmed speaker, but the process is still playing out, so that's fine. Um... But what is the plan for naming a speaker? I think this is really why earlier this week, guys, I was pretty irritated 
over this whole speakership thing. Because it's 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 one thing to say, I'm against this person for speaker. All right, fine. Well, who are you for? And the first person they put up, the uh, the 20 R's who are blocking McCarthy, the first person they put up was Jim Jordan. But Jim Jordan was saying, I don't want it. I want to be in the Judiciary Committee. I want to do the work that I have been doing, and I support Kevin McCarthy. And it was like the 20 R's were just like, we don't care what you want, John, or Jordan. We don't care what you want. We want you a speaker. And they tried that a bit, as we saw here. And Jordan got six votes, then 19, then 20. It's not any, I mean, it's not even, it's, it's not even close to, it's 10% of what, it's not even 10% of what he needs. And I'm really not hearing the, the R's that are, that are blocking this. I'm not hearing them argue for who they want. They're not, I mean, I know they give like a five minute speech saying why they nominate so-and-so, but the people they are nominating don't, don't have a prayer of actually getting enough votes to be speaker. And that's really what was irritating me is that the message that the 20 R's are putting forth is literally never McCarthy. And they're not telling me who they're for and why and how we actually get to a speaker. Um, I saw some rumble rants come in and I'm going to grab them in just a minute. Let me finish this thread because this is. This is the perspective of other people who are supporting McCarthy in in uh, the House. And I think it's important to understand understand this, okay? After the 2008 election, the Dems had 257 seats. Following that election, McCarthy was one of three founding members of the Young Guns program, the purpose of which was to recruit younger and more diverse GOP candidates to run in competitive seats. McCarthy helped identify viable candidates and helped them raise money to take on incumbent Democrats starting in 2010. In 2014, the GOP took back control of the House, winning 247 seats. From 2008 to 2014, that's three election cycles, the GOP won 69 seats back. A lot of that was from dim overreach in the Obama years. But you can't beat something with nothing. McCarthy and the Young Guns program identified and recruited candidates to run and win a sizable majority in Congress 18 months before President Trump rode down the elevator. That is why 200 GOP House members are supporting him. It's not because they are threatened. How many of the 20 who are opposing him came into Congress only after that hard work had been done. Gates is one of them. He came in in 2016. Thanks to Trump, who he is now opposing, who he now opposing, opposing Trump's pick. Now again, you don't have to like McCarthy. You don't have to agree with McCarthy. You don't have to think he's great or anything like that. But it is literally true that McCarthy has a record of growing GOP membership in the House. Now, was it lost in 2018? Yep. Yep. 
Yep, we've taken some losses. And in 2020, yep, we've taken some losses. But what happened this past year? We got the House back. And I've heard it said McCarthy has this losing streak. He never wins anything. He, It's a series of losses, so therefore it's time for him to go. How dare he even think that he deserves to be House Speaker considering how he can't win anything? That's why. That's why. M. Scamp over on Rumble says, good morning. Thank you for your perspective. Thank you for the Rumble rant. I much appreciate it. And thank you for listening to what I have to say. Uh, Liz Jen, it's just me, says, in my opinion, Trump made it look like the deal was done tricking the rhinos. In reality, he, McCarthy and crew want McCarthy to be Freedom Caucus. Rhinos boxed in. Real negotiations are not what we see. I agree. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, the negotiations are going on and it's yielding good results. They're, they're coming. They're like this process has resulted in McCarthy and crew giving over tons of concessions to the Freedom Caucus. And I like, I like it. I like the, I like the concessions they're getting. I think they're great. But as we've seen, they haven't resulted in anything. So um, they haven't they haven't resulted in them them changing their minds. So I think I think you got to wonder: Are they negotiating in bad faith here? Because McCarthy's giving them all these concessions, and then they're still blocking him. Maybe it's gamesmanship to get some more. But it's like how. How much more did they have to give? I agree, Buster Lou. The uh, the negotiation is a good thing. And good morning, Rattler Gator. Um, Brogent, thank you for the rumble rant. He says, McCarthy should ultimately be speaker. There is no viable alt. I agree. We don't want anyone MAGA in there as the ship goes down over the next two years. However, we have to, we have to let DC know this is MAGA country. Hey, I, Brogent, 100%. 100%. That's, totally agree with you, man. And I th- I think that people need to think about who do you want as speaker over the next two years, considering a lot of us are expecting that the economy is not going to be so great this coming year. Not going to be so great. So do you want to put one of our stars up there as speaker so that the Democrats and the media have someone to blame? Because the house is super powerful. Super. The speaker is a super powerful position in Washington. And do you want, to get put a star one of our stars in that place. I mean, we can't get one in in there anyway. But do you really want to put someone in there who is going to be taking the blame for everything that goes wrong over the next two years? Now, this is where I stepped in it. Really decided to uh really decided to put myself out there on a limb. But I'll admit, let my emotions get to me a bit. 
I did. I got fueled by my emotions. And I went ahead and asked, how many more rounds does this thing need to go before the 20 Never McCarthy reps reveal that they are DeSantis simps? And this is a setup to damage Trump by sinking his speaker pick. Because they these people actually want DeSantis in 2024. People didn't like that. <laughs> people, people didn't like that. Uh, but I think it's a, I can't help guys. I can't help, but be suspicious of the motivations of people who are literally working against Trump's pick for speaker. Negotiations are working out pretty well. I may be concerned for nothing. Probably am. Um, but my misgivings about this are based on that this is Trump's pick for speaker. He is sticking, last I checked, as of right before I starting this show, he is sticking with McCarthy as his pick for speaker. He told these 20 R's that now is the time to vote for Kevin. And these 20 R's, their mantra is never McCarthy. So their mantra is never Trump's pick. And it is literally true that a defeat of McCarthy is a de facto defeat of Trump. I hope, I hope everybody gets that. That if McCarthy is defeated and is not speaker, that is a loss for President Trump. Some folks are okay with that. Some folks are okay with that because they think Trump doesn't know what he's doing here. Others are okay with it because they think that Trump isn't seriously backing McCarthy. But it's, that's the truth. That's the truth. And you're, they're going to remind you of it. The people that are not wanting Trump to run in 2024 are going to use the loss of McCarthy, the defeat of McCarthy against Trump in order to help make their case for DeSantis in 2024. It's already happening. It's uh, the DeSantis crew who want, who are done with Trump and want Trump to just retire They are already saying that this McCarthy pick shows that Trump doesn't know what he's doing and his time is over. And not too long after I posted that, or maybe it was around the same time, I don't remember. Matt Gates said this, supporting McCarthy is the worst human resource decision that President Trump has ever made. Sad. Y'all feel good about that? I don't think I'm that far off the mark. This was on January 4th. The next day, Gates gets up and nominates Trump. 
So how am I supposed to read that? It comes off like a stunt to me. It comes off like a grandstanding stunt. A lot of people messaged me and said, Kyle, you're the kayfabe guy. Don't you think this is kayfabe? Uh, I don't, I don't really think it is. I don't really think it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. And I'm not seeing it, but when I'm, not exactly sure of what's going on. I'm just going to go ahead and stick with Trump. I'm going to go ahead and stick with Trump with what Trump is literally saying. Last night, Gates told Fox News, my conversations with Democrats have largely been about making sure they don't leave the floor for dinner or fundraisers or whatnot. We need them to stay there so that the denominator in the equation on the election of speaker allows us to have leverage. My, my, how this situation is making for strange bedfellows. Gates and Democrats working together to make sure Trump's pick for speaker is defeated. Interesting. Jack Pollock said the so-called conservatives led by Matt Gates are about to disenfranchise millions of voters. The majority who wanted to remove Democrats from power in the house because without an alternative candidate and without McCarthy, there will be a dim rhino coalition government. And that's already being talked about. At some point, the rhinos, I'm talking about the people who are to the left of McCarthy, of which there are many, are going to decide they've had enough of this. And as I showed you, Hakeem Jeffries has gotten 212 every single time. Every single time. The Democrats are united here. The Democrats are lockstep. Nobody's stepping out of line on their side. And they don't need to peel off very many Republicans to get their man in. The likeliest outcome at this stage as the Trump Republicans burn bridges and make commitments to their online media and supporters that they can't break is a Democrat rhino coalition with a non-McCarthy speaker. They just need to get five rhino votes, and that's not a heavy lift. The risks here are real, and I think that's... I, I just I feel like a lot of people are not taking the risk of how this... The risk here, seriously... I think they're not taking it seriously.
JD posted, he quote tweeted me this Trump post. There's no ambiguity in what Trump is saying here. This is from the morning of January 4th. Some really good conversations took place last night, and it's now time for all of our great Republican House members to vote for Kevin. Close the deal. Take the victory and watch crazy Nancy Pelosi fly back home to a very broken California, the only speaker in U.S. history to have lost the House twice. Republicans do not turn a great triumph into a giant and embarrassing defeat. It is time to celebrate. You deserve. You deserve it. Kevin McCarthy will do a good job and maybe even a great job. Just watch. And right after this, he truthed out, take the victory. There's no, there's no ambiguity here. This is what Trump is telling them. But people are just ignoring it. Just. Oh, yeah, this was the day before, so that doesn't matter. This was right before people were Trump didn't was in an interview and he didn't he was asked if he still supports McCarthy and he didn't say, but then he posted that on truth. I got those out of order. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to tell you that McCarthy is MAGA, and I'm not trying to tell you that McCarthy is secretly a white hat or anything like that. I am telling you that of the options, which there aren't many, who could get enough votes, McCarthy's the closest one to being able to get enough votes, and he's the one with Trump's support. Take the victory and run. MTG posted that same day, we are on day two, and the same Never Kevin group is now on their third speaker candidate. They've now gone way more than that. And they don't have a plan. And I've been asking people, okay, what's the plan that these 20 Never Kevin groups have? And their plan is no to McCarthy. That's where their plan stops. Their plan isn't pro this person or that person. Their plan is just not McCarthy. My friend Joe Lang said Trump wants McCarthy and Trump knows more than we do. The House has one role in the plan, which is to investigate and amplify the corruption to the population, forcing the media to cover it and also stop the dim agenda. There is nobody better at getting that doing that than Jim Jordan. The enemy fears him because he is so effective. Anybody trying to make him speaker and remove him from that role is either an idiot or not on our side. Gates is not part of the plan and never has been. I won't read the rest of what Joe Lang said about Matt Gates because I'm still undecided on it. (laughs) And I'm taking enough heat as it is. My friend, the storm has arrived, said... If Kevin McCarthy is the same as a Democrat, which is what people keep telling me. And if he works for the deep state, 
Why wouldn't a few House Democrats defect and cast their vote for McCarthy to get him over the hump? I mean, does anybody have a decent answer for that, for why a couple Democrats wouldn't decide, well, we'll just get Kevin, we're just going to go ahead and vote for Kevin McCarthy because he's a swamp monster like we are in, in deep state and we love him. Is it simply because McCarthy carries Trump's endorsement so they don't want to be seen as voting for someone Trump endorsed? Perhaps. That's the, that's the best answer I can come up with. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a decent answer. Um, but I don't have anything more than that. I think it's worth considering. Let's check Trump's truth. All right. So he hasn't posted anything since then. Uh, having to do with the speakership battle other than saying, yeah, we got these right. Did I pull those exact ones? I did. Okay. We'll get those in just a minute. I want to remind everybody that, well, first I'll say one of the things that keeps getting brought up and going viral is Kevin McCarthy's comments after January 6th and him saying that, Trump needs to take some responsibility for the events of January 6th, 2021. And people are using that to say, see, McCarthy isn't a friend to Trump. He's a backstabber. He's a traitor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to show you that Kevin McCarthy just, this is on January 28th, just a couple of weeks after Kevin McCarthy made those statements on the house floor Kevin McCarthy was at Mar-a-Lago. In fact, I'm pretty sure he was the first Republican, the first politician to visit Trump at Mar-a-Lago after January 6, 2021. What did he say there? He said, McCarthy met with Trump today. Okay. Quote, President Trump's popularity has never been stronger than it is today. And this endorsement means more than any, perhaps any endorsement at any time. What endorsement? What are we talking about here? January 28th, 2021, the meeting between President Donald J. Trump and House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, was a very good and cordial one. They discussed many topics, number one of which was taking back the House in 2022. We just did that, didn't we? President Trump's popularity has never been stronger than it is today, and his endorsement means more than perhaps any endorsement at any time. President Trump has agreed to work with Leader McCarthy on helping the Republican Party to become a majority in the House. Op success. They worked very well together in the last election and picked up at least 15 seats when most predicted it would be the opposite. They will do so again, and the work has already started. Does 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 that statement and this image and this visit, does that not count for anything? Trump literally told you that they're working together. And he said they would take back the house and they did. 
Oh, that's a, I don't need to already covered that. I'll grab this. After they realized that Jordan wasn't going to get it, which they already knew, they just put Jordan forth as a, because the MAGA base loves Jordan. Um, that's the only reason they did that. They decided to go for Byron Donalds. Who's great. Who's great. Byron Donalds is great. But he didn't get more than 20 votes. So President Trump posted on Truth, I have always supported Byron Donalds, have consistently endorsed him for Congress, and in fact feel that I was a primary reason he entered politics in the first place. He is a young man with a great future. With that all being said, the story and statement that was put out that I endorsed Byron for Speaker of the House is fake and fraudulent. He will have his day, and it will be a big one, but not now. The implication being that Trump is sticking with McCarthy. Very good things are happening behind the scenes for the Republican Party. Intense but smart negotiations between great and patriotic people are ongoing. They all love our country and want something to go forward ASAP. This event will will end up making the Republican Party stronger and more united than ever before. Our nation is at stake. Stay tuned and make America great again. So Trump likes the process that's playing out right now and the negotiations that are happening that are moving the arrangement, the agreement in the House for how Republicans are going to go forward. It's moving it more towards the America first faction, which I support and I like. I like the negotiations that are happening, but they just seem unwilling to accept what's been offered so far, even though I think it's come a lot. It's come really far their way. I actually think that a big Republican victory today after going through numerous roll calls that failed to produce a speaker of the house has made the position and process of getting to be speaker bigger and more important than if it were done in the more traditional way. Okay. I can agree with that and I can, I can get what he's laying down there. And I can also think that I can take from this, that Trump is happy with how things are happening with this speakership battle. So that makes me feel a lot better. That makes me feel a lot better. Um, not ne- I'm not nearly as worried as I was on Monday and Wednesday, and I've been enjoying the show, so to speak. And then Trump says, much like me becoming again, becoming president after having won big in 2016, gotten many million of more votes in 2020, but supposedly not winning big lie. And then winning again in 2024, it will be bigger than the traditional way. Okay. Now, well, let me grab this uh, NAMC Mopar. Thank you for the rumble rant. Thank you very much. They said, thank you for grounding all of us. Can you read off the 20 never McCarthy names? Um, I think the article I have coming up lists all the McCarthy the Andy McCarthy guys and what it is they want, what their, uh, what their, their specific issue is. So yeah, I will be naming them off. Um, I don't have anything against them. Like I'm not like, I hope y'all don't think I'm hating on them. Um, but my, uh, when people go against Trump, I'm, I'm like, huh, what's going on here? (laughs) Like, it's it, it gives me it makes me reassess things. Uh, 
Liz Jen, thank you again for the Rumble rant. They say McCarthy is fine as long as he does not capitulate to the Uniparty. Agreed. In my opinion, this is what Trump is doing now, trapping the rhinos to stick with McCarthy, even as he concedes in public to the holdouts. It's planned. That very that very well uh, be what's going on. I mean, it's. I have a thread I'm going to read that really kind of uh, altered my perspective on this, and I like I'm... I really like what this thread says. I'm going to read it here in just a minute. All right. So after I, you know, all the stuff I've said about Matt Gates and my concerns about Gates. And I do believe that Matt Gates cares very much about being in front of the camera. Matt Gates is very, very good at sound bites. He's good. He's got the gift of gab. He's very good. I love it when he shuts down people on the left. I love it when he shuts down reporters. Matt Gates is very good. And I agree with Matt Gates' positions on a lot of things, not all, but a lot of things. Okay. And, but I still have concerns because he's literally going against Trump and I, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. But then Matt Gates gets up and does this endorsement of Trump. And I got to say, it's one of the best things I've ever heard said on the House floor. His endorsement of Trump for speaker was an amazing speech. It's also impossible. It's also kind of confusing here because you're literally going against Trump's pick for speaker while then endorsing Trump a day after you said that Trump's pick for speaker was the worst human resource decision he's ever made and that it was sad. So within 24 hours, you're, I mean, it's like, what, what a switch. And sure, maybe it's a smoke screen. Maybe, maybe this whole thing of him blocking Trump's pick is a smoke screen because they're forcing McCarthy to come up with a better deal for the uh, Freedom Caucus in the House, and it's shifting MacArthur fur- McCarthy further towards the arrangement that is beneficial to the MAGA Republicans in the House. That makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, let's listen to this. For what purposes? In fact, I'm going to refill my coffee cup while we listen to this. The gentleman from Florida rides. To place a name and nomination for the position of Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. My friends, when Donald Trump was president, taxes were cut, regulations were slashed, energy was abundant, wages were rising, capital was returning from overseas to fund the dreams and ambitions of our fellow Americans, and the economy was roaring. What a contrast to what we have seen from this administration now. And so I rise to nominate Donald Trump for the position of Speaker of the House, And for all of the vitriol that we hear from the media and at times the left, there were great moments of bipartisanship under the Trump presidency. And the Democrat nominee for speaker knows that well because he led valiantly 
on the efforts for criminal justice reform, and I was honored to join him. And I know no matter who's sitting in that speaker chair, we got a lot of work to do on that very issue. We took a first step, but there's a second step and a third step to take. And I'm glad that we were able to work with President Trump, with Republicans, and with Democrats to provide real outcomes for Americans to create greater prosperity and more opportunity. I also care deeply about President Trump's focus on our nation's veterans. It seemed for far too long on the campaign trail, veterans were disregarded, forgotten about. When we would get elected to office, their issues would not always rise and get center stage, but we were able to pass veterans' uh, accountability measures. We were able to actually get people fired at the VA who weren't doing their job. What a great thing that would be to extend and continue and to continue to nourish. President Trump oriented our views on trade so that we actually put the American people first, not foreign interests abroad or special interests here at home. President Trump knew that we had to confront China, that China had already engaged in a trade war against us, but it was a war that we were surrendering, and so we started to fight back. He stood with our farmers, and on foreign policy, we stopped trying to find a new Jefferson, Jeffersonian democracy to build out of sand and blood and Arab militias in the Middle East. Matter of fact, President Trump, I believe, is the first president in my lifetime that didn't start any new wars. This is an issue that I know unites some elements of the right and left for the benefit of our communities. Will the House be in order? This government for far too long has been deeply corrupt. This town has been deeply corrupt. The way people get leadership positions and chairmanships and opportunities to be able to morally preen has been by accepting lobbyist and special interest money and redistributing that money as currency for favors. And that is not a criticism of, of either political party. It is a criticism of what we have allowed to happen in this place. And if we just go next man up on our side of the aisle, we will reify that corrupt system and we will abandon the people who are expecting us to fight for them. I have heard from my colleagues about all the important work we have to do and it is my sincere fear that if we were to allow Mr. McCarthy to assume the speakership, that would not get done. That it would be business as usual and the very same things that have paralyzed progress for both parties would continue to shackle us to never-ending failure. We can be better than that. We can raise our gaze indeed. We also have to restore to the Speaker's office an actual person that ought to be in the Speaker's office, not the squatter who is currently there. And if the architect of the Capitol is listening, I sent a letter, and I would like to know what the basis is to allow somebody to occupy the Speaker's office who comes in second place ten straight times. Is there, like, some basis in law or rule or precedent for that? And so I nominate President Trump because we must make our country great again, and he can start by making the House of Representatives great again. Fire. Speech is fire. It's awesome. It's, uh, it feels, it feels like a stunt to me, considering that Gates is actively going against Trump's pick and insulting Trump on social media and in interviews. But it's speech is fire. It feels like a stunt to me because there is no way at all that Trump is going to be speaker 
I know that a whole bunch of people like it. I know that it's great for memes and Trump himself shared a meme of it. Um, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. I should have uh, grabbed that. I don't remember if I did or not. Um, it, there it is. There it is. The memes, the memes hilarious. I mean, I love it guys. I mean, it is fun to think about the idea of Trump, Trump being speaker. I think it's hilarious. I think it'd be a lot of fun, of course, but it ain't going to happen. There's not nearly enough votes. I mean, maybe if they do it again, Trump, maybe all these 20 could vote for Trump and maybe a handful of more would vote for him to be speaker, but it's a token vote. It's not meaningful. You're never going to get 218 Republicans to vote for President Trump to be Speaker of the House. And I don't think it's a good use of of President Trump. I don't think it's I can't imagine him actually being Speaker of the House and serving in that role. And I know some people have said that's like the C, the the founder of a company or CEO of a company taking a vice president role or something. Um it's not even that like it's a downgrade from him being president. I don't even think of it that way. It's just Trump's personality and what Trump is good at. I don't see him being the speakership being what I just don't see it being apt for him. I just don't, I just feel like Trump is the executive and Trump is, he's just so much more effective in what he's doing now. So I don't know why you would, I feel like making Trump the speaker constrains Trump. So I'm not even a fan of it. So Gates endorsing Trump and nominating him. The speech is fire. But it's also, it's also confusing considering everything else that Gates has, is doing and has said. Okay. I got I got a few more things, but I kind of want to uh wrap this up rather quickly because I don't want to belabor the point and get on anybody's nerves, although that's pretty much all I've done this week. Between between me not screaming F McCarthy and me telling everybody that the Brunson case is junk and is going to be dismissed today, I've caught a lot of hate this week. <laughs> uh, being online has been incredibly toxic for me, but, um, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell y'all. I don't, I don't want to tell y'all, you know, like what you want to hear. I'm, I'm here to tell y'all what I think and how I see things. And, you know, if we, we agreed, that's great. If we don't agree, we can, we can try and work it out. Or just agree to disagree. I need to uh, I need to find this on Carly Bont's Telegram. Hold on, just no, that's not what I want. Can I view it in channel? Hold on, just a second. I need to download this video so that I can play it for y'all because it's uh, it says it's too big to play in the browser. Okay, while that's downloading, let me go over here to. This article first, Howard seventy six. Thank you very much for the Rumble rant. I'm gonna spend. I'm gonna spend that on bags of coffee. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. And thank you to everybody who is willing to listen to my perspective and what I have to say, whether you agree, whether you agree or not. Like, 
it's totally cool. Like me and me and uh, Chris Paul and John don't agree on that. We don't have the same perspective on this uh, speakership battle, but that's still cool. We can still like go back and forth on it and have a respectful conversation. Most, most people can, but there's a lot of people who are just yelling at their computer screen or at their TV right now. And, uh, that's, that's just not me. Um, okay. So speaker election battle is headed to the 12th ballot. And, uh, yeah, let me grab this article real quick. The race for house speaker remains undecided as Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy continued to fail to win a majority in the first 11 rounds, according to blah, 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 blah. Prior to this week's vote, 14 speaker elections required multiple ballots with 13 of those, let me close that video, 13 of those occurring before the Civil War. The only time in the post-Civil War era was in 1923 when it took nine tries. So yesterday we beat that. Oh, Mermaid Miss Kay, nice to see you. Nice to see you. I hope you're doing well. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, Six of those 14 elections were decided on the second or third ballot, but others took more than that. With the longest election finally ending after nearly two months and 133 ballots. I will tell you, I, I wouldn't mind, I don't mind, um, I don't, I don't mind this battle going on for an extended period of time. As long as there's this end goal, that's really, I was thinking back, like I said, and I was trying to figure out what it is that is really irritating me about this. And it's mostly that they, they don't seem to have an end goal of who will be speaker. And, and perhaps that's just, you know, part of my nature. I want to know where we, what is our end goal here? Who is it that is, that they are, that the 20 are trying to get to be speaker and they don't have their only plan is not McCarthy. In fact, Matt Gates, in case y'all missed it, Matt Gates said he didn't care if Hakeem Jeffries was speaker. He literally said, I don't care if it means Hakeem Jeffries is speaker. I don't want McCarthy. So Matt Gates is willing for the Democrats to take over the House if it means that Trump's pick for speaker is defeated. And and I know some people are going to say, that's this kayfabe, Kyle. They're just... That's just talk. This is part of the show. Okay. Well, I, I can't, I can't know that. Um, could be, could be, but I'm not going to praise that statement. I'm not going to, I'm, you know, for the things that I believe are kayfabe of which y'all are, if you watch the show, you're familiar with, Many of the people I think in situations that I think is kayfabe. I have some basis for that. There's some history. There's some contradictions that are, are point me in that direction. Um, here, I don't have that. So that's why when in doubt, I go with Trump every time. 
If I'm not sure about a person or an event, I look to Trump and look at where he's pointing. <laughs> so, and that's, that's literally what I'm doing. All right. So short history lesson, lesson in October, 1820, Henry Clay resi- resigned as speaker after shepherding through the Missouri compromise, which allowed slavery in Missouri, but made Maine a free state and established the 3630 parallel as the boundary determining where slavery would be allowed in the U.S. John W. Taylor of Saratoga, New York, first elected in 1812, was one of the earliest and most outspoken abolitionists in Congress. Although he had supported the Missouri Compromise, he ran for speaker in the 1820 special election opposing slavery in new territories. His main opponent was pro-slavery rep William Lowndes of South Carolina, who at one point came within one vote of winning. Taylor ultimately prevailed after 22 ballots over four days. After losing the speakership in 1821, Taylor again won the speakership um, in 1825 in a vote that took two rounds. Taylor served as speaker in the 19th Congress, but ultimately lost the speaker's race in the 20th Congress in 1827 to Andrew Stevenson of Virginia because of his abolitionist views. Taylor told his son, quote, I lost my third election as speaker through my direct opposition to slavery. Philip Pendleton Barber was 12 ballots in the 17th Congress. Taylor was defeated by Philip Pendleton Barber of Virginia in 1821 in the 17th Congress after 12 ballots. John W. Bell of Tennessee, although initially a supporter of President Andrew Jackson, accepted support from Jackson's opposition in the race for House Speaker in 1833. The race went to 10 ballots before Bell ultimately defeated James K. Polk. Robert M.T. Hunter was the first speaker elected via public ballot rather than secret ballot. Although he was not the first choice for either the Democratic or the Whig Party in 1839 race for speaker, the two parties rallied around highly partisan candidates from southern states, turning off the Unionist Southerners and Northerners, according to the fighting for the speakership, the House, and the rise of party government by University of Virginia's Jeffrey A. Jenkins and Charles Stewart. That divide paved the way for Hunter to win the speakership on the 11th ballot, which is where we're at this morning, though he didn't win a single vote when the first ballot was cast. So it has happened before that the person who eventually became speaker didn't appear on the first 11 ballots at all. And that's where we're at as far as how many ballots have been cast in this here in 2023. Neither the Democrats nor the Whigs had a majority in the 31st Congress, but Democrats who held a plurality had backed a compromise candidate, Al Cobb of Georgia, who was pro-union. But deep divisions between the parties and the separate organization of the Free Soil Party led to a split ballot on the first round, according to Fighting for the Speakership. The Free Soilers, made up an equal number of Democrats and Whigs and divided over slavery, were not organized around a single candidate. Over the next three weeks of voting, the Democrats and Whigs could not rally around a single candidate. Democrats decided to settle on Westerner William J. Brown of Indiana. It's funny to think of somebody from Indiana as being a Westerner, but 
back then that made sense. On December 11th, after seven more ballots, Brown received 80 votes, more than Cobb had ever received. The House adjourned. Wait. <clears throat> the House adjourned for the evening without selecting a speaker, and when balloting resumed the next day, there were rumors Brown had struck a deal with Free Soilers. A plurality vote could happen here, and I know that um, my friends in Badlands have have dismissed this possibility. Um, and I've talked to them. I've talked to to John and Chris Paul about it, and said, "No, guys, there's um, this could go down to a plurality. All that the, right now the the house is operating on bare bones. All that has to happen." is for six rhinos to decide they've had enough and to vote with Democrats for a plurality. That's all that has to happen is for six rhinos to say, you know what? We've had enough of these 20 Republicans holding us hostage here. I'm not saying that's what they're doing, guys. I'm just saying that's what they would say. We just need six rhinos to say we've had enough. We're joining with Democrats. We're going to vote for the plurality a plurality vote to determine who the speaker will be and Hakeem Jeffries would win. Easy. He's won every vote so far. And a lot of people are dismissing this possibility, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. It really, at some point, the rhinos in the GOP will decide they've had enough. And it only takes six of them to cross over. That doesn't mean they vote. This is what people are getting wrong about it. That doesn't mean they vote for Hakeem Jeffries. That doesn't mean they vote Democrat. It just means they vote for the plurality to decide who will be speaker. They don't actually have to vote for a Dem. The other dangerous aspect of this is that six Republicans could decide they're just going to go on an extended lunch break and not show up to the next vote. And that will lower the denominator for what the majority is. That's why I keep saying this is a dangerous game they're playing. Now there's there's good stuff coming out of it. There's good stuff coming out of it. No doubt. But at some point these rhinos are going to get tired of this. They don't care about that that MAGA is going to be mad at them. MAGA's mad at them anyway. Why would they care if MAGA gets mad at them? <laughs> they don't care. Why would they care if Trump calls them names? They want Trump to go away. They're rhinos. Nathaniel Banks is the candidate who it took 133 ballots. That was in 1855. And I believe in this case also, I don't want to read this whole thing right now, but I believe in this case also, he wasn't on the first ballot. Um, 
Here's the article with the, I think this is the article. No, that's not the one. So McCarthy's made some concessions here, some really good ones. I want to skip this because I've spent the whole show on this topic and I want to get to, uh, I want to get to something Matt Gates said last night, and then I want to end the show with a thread that I really, really agree with their perspective on this. And I think y'all will, too. All right. Hey, Congressman, will you be okay then? If- All right. Hold up. And get the volume up on this. Sorry. Hey, Congressman, will you be okay then if there's ultimately a deal struck with moderate Democrats that give Democrats kind of co-control of the committees, you're fine with that? No, absolutely not. That that will not happen. There are two well, potential scenarios happen. here. No, that, listen, I'm on the floor, Laura. These 212 Democrats are going to vote for Hakeem Jeffries every single time. He is a historic candidate for them. They are not going to cleave off under any circumstance. I assure you that if Democrats join up to elect a moderate Republican, I will resign from the House of Representatives. That is how certain I am. I can assure your viewers. So he says if Democrats vote for a rhino to be speaker, then he will resign from Congress. That's how sure he is that that won't happen. But he has also said that he doesn't care if Hakeem Jeffries is speaker as long as Kevin McCarthy is defeated. So he's okay with Hakeem Jeffries being speaker, but he's not okay with a a Republican who's left of McCarthy. Whatever. All right, let me grab this thread because this is, I'm going to wrap this topic up so I can uh, get the last one. All right. I love this thread by Skeptical Stoic. They say, why would some of Trump's staunchest supporters and allies in the House seemingly and publicly defy him when it comes to McCarthy's bid for Speaker of the House? That's my question. I don't know what it is exactly, but something is afoot. I agree. And then he quotes the, uh, the Trump truth I already read. I believe Trump knows that Kevin McCarthy is not ideal, but there is no viable alternative right now, and you have to work with what you've got. Amen. Trump knows Kevin McCarthy would do almost anything to be Speaker of the House, so he's using his House allies to squeeze Kevin McCarthy for the best deal that MAGA could get out of him. For example, it was announced yesterday that the Congressional Leadership Fund which is endorsed by Kevin McCarthy, has agreed to refrain from spending in open-seat primaries in safe GOP districts, which opens the door for MAGA candidates to run and win. This is one of the most um, hard-hitting criticisms I've heard of Kevin McCarthy is him and his his funds, his PACs and his 501c3s and whatnot, spending against... MAGA candidates in the primaries. And he's just agreed to not do that. Now, of course, people will say, well, I don't trust him, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm not, I can't make you trust him. I'm not even really asking for you to trust him. I'm just saying that this is the condition he's saying he will agree to. 
The GOP establishment, con- my GOP establishment contacts in D.C. were seemingly caught off guard by the relatively small but committed House resistance to McCarthy's bid for Speaker of the House. As far as I can tell, they were not expecting it and thus were not prepared for it. Hence the chaos that is on display. Make of that what you will. And this right here, I know that this is a person saying my contacts in D.C. I totally understand that this is someone saying I have some sources. I get that. But my, as I mentioned earlier this week, there was an agreement and there was all this debate and negotiation that has happened within the party played out over the weeks leading up to this week. And then suddenly with 20, the night before they all go to vote, these 20 Republicans decide, never mind, never mind. We're decide we've decided we're not going to uh, stick with the deal that we made. We have more demands. But I like this perspective that what's happening here is that Trump has endorsed McCarthy. As one, there's no alternative candidate. There just there just isn't, guys. There's no one else who is he's the of the option he's we have to play with the hand we're dealt, and this is the hand we're dealt. But this positioning right here and the process is playing out in the House is resulting in a better arrangement for MAGA Republicans going forward. The question is, when do they finally say, all right, we're good with this deal, we'll agree with it, let's go ahead and vote for McCarthy? That's why the agreement that it only takes five votes, five reps to trigger a vote to vacate the speakership is so important because it will keep Kevin on a leash. So for everybody saying, I don't trust Kevin, so it doesn't matter what deal he makes or what concessions he makes, we can't trust him. Well, one of those is a little a literal rule change. That makes it that if five Republicans decide we have no confidence in this speaker, we want to we want to elect a new speaker, they can do that. So that means it only takes five Republicans to fire Kevin McCarthy. I hope everybody gets that. It'll only take five Republicans to fire Kevin McCarthy from the speakership. After what's happened this week, I think that Kevin's going to stick to the deals he makes because of that. That's why that's so important. And just for fun, this is my prediction. It's going to go 17 ballots. That's my, that for just for fun, that's my prediction. This thing's going to go 17 ballots. And on the 17th ballot, Kevin McCarthy is going to be elected speaker. There's my prediction for how this thing is going to eventually wrap up. Uh, Good morning, uh, Karma Patriot. Um, In fact, since Karma Patriot's here, I got to point out, Karma Patriot told me earlier this week, that 
she was she was trying to convince me that a ton of people were paying attention to this speakership battle. And after the first day of it or the second day, I was like, no, there's like only like five to 10 percent of Americans are even paying any attention and know this is going on. Uh, This isn't the big event that most people are thinking that it is. But then the speakership battle hit over a million tweets (laughs) on Twitter. And so I think it's more, I think more people are paying attention than I imagined would. Um, I don't think it's as big of a event as some people are making it out to be, but it is catching more eyeballs and ears than I expected it to. So Krama Patriot, she was right. She convinced me that, oh yeah, actually there are more people paying attention to this. This isn't this than, than you would think. I, I still think if you do a man on the street interview, you're not going to find very many people who are paying attention, but um, the the spectacle is is grabbing a lot of eyeballs. Now, I promised I had a list. I thought I had an article that said who it all who all was opposing and um who the twenty Republicans are and what their beef was, but I I guess I didn't. I I told you wrong. Uh, I thought it was that CBS article, but it's not. Now, one last, just actually, I'm going to end on this. This is my last thing. I should have grabbed this earlier. There are some complications coming up because at least four Republicans aren't going to be there this weekend. So that's going to look, that's going to either, either they're going to vote to, either they're going to vote to not have this speakership battle over the weekend and then pick it up again next week or the denominator for how many votes you need to be elected is going to go down just, just to be aware of. Now this tweet doesn't have the specifics, but um, I saw another reporter who gave the details. One of the, uh, one of the Republicans has a funeral to go to for a family member. Another Republican has some sort of medical thing. I don't know if it's surgery or what, or treatment of some sort that they have to go to this weekend. But if this speakership battle does continue into Saturday and Sunday, there are going to be less Republicans on the floor available to vote. Okay. Real quick. Actually, this isn't going to be real quick, but uh, we're going to go ahead and hit this topic. I'm going to go through it quick as I can because we're going to run out of time. So today's January 6th, and one of the things that people, um, one of the unsolved mysteries, so to speak, of January 6th is the J6 pipe bomber. And close out all this stuff. Originally, the FBI was offering $50,000 in reward money for information leading to the arrest of the January 6th pipe bomber. Uh, 
And then they upped it to $100,000. And yesterday they upped it to $500,000. From Catherine Herridge, FBI ups reward to $500,000. Another indicator pipe bombs shaping up as a cold case and no actionable leads. CBS News first report on the viable explosive devices discovered January 6th. Back here. $500,000 for information leading to the arrest of the January 6th pipe bomber. This, if you don't know, this image right here on the left is the pipe bomb that was at um, the RNC, or at least the RNC area, uh, next to some trash cans in an alley type area. And then this is the one that was next to the park bench um, at the DNC. So, did you know that the Capitol Police officer who first responded to the call about the pipe bombs was recently convicted of obstruction? Did y'all know that? He is the only Capitol Police officer convicted or charged or convicted with anything. Um, what did, what did Johnny say? What are you talking about? I see in rumble chat, they're saying, what did Johnny say? Um, so yeah, the, this officer is right here. Former U.S. police, this happened in October 28th. He was convicted, he was found guilty of obstruction. Ten days of darkness and state of the union. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. Um, I can tell you what I think. The the ten days of darkness is something else in my opinion, but I get what y'all are getting at. Um, So this police officer, it's Michael A. Riley. He was found guilty of one count of obstruction back in October. The verdict followed a trial in the U.S. District of of Columbia. The jury was unable to reach a verdict on the second count, ending in a mistrial on that charge. The sentencing date has not been set. And I went and checked last night. Um, He hasn't hasn't, um, been sentenced yet. According to government's evidence at trial, Riley, who has more than 25 years, of law enforcement experience was at work with a canine unit on January 6, 2021, although he was not on duty inside the Capitol building itself during the attack. He was aware of what was taking place. That day, he responded to reports of an explosive device near the Capitol complex. The next day, on January 7, 2021, Riley learned that a Facebook friend had posted about being at and inside the Capitol on January 6th. Rather than forward the information to the Capitol Police or FBI, Riley sent the rioter a private Facebook message with advice on how to avoid being caught. He wrote, I'm a Capitol Police officer who agrees with your political stance. Take down the part about being in the building they are currently investigating and everyone who is in the building is going to be charged. Just looking out. Riley then continued to exchange hundreds of friendly private Facebook messages with the rioter. 
But when he learned that the rioter had told the FBI about being in touch with a Capitol Police officer, Riley deleted all of those messages from his account. Riley then came up with a cover story and sent a new message to the rioter, pretending that he had only later learned that the rioter had smoked weed inside the Capitol and pretending that he was scolding the rioter for his conduct. The jury was unable to reach a verdict on the charge related to Riley's communication with the rioter on Gen 7th. It found him guilty of obstruction related to the conduct involving the cover-up. The charge of obstruction carries a maximum of 20 years. Okay, so kind of curious to me that the officer who was first to respond to the pipe bombs is the only officer who's been brought up on any charges related to J6, and those charges just have to happen to be obstruction, specifically deleting a bunch of messages communicating with another rider. It makes me wonder if the cop had the guy delete info related to the pipe bombing. Who knows, but it just seems like such an odd circumstance that he is the first to respond to the pipe bombs and then is the only cop charged with anything related to J6. And the charges happens to be obstruction. This is the police officer right here. Canine unit. Lots of experience. 25 years. This guy knows, he knows better than to do what he did. Like, how stupid was he? He knows how investigations work. How stupid was he to do this? Like, why did he reach out to this guy and tell him to delete these messages? And I want to say it's in this article right here about this guy who was his Facebook friend. They were friends on Facebook, but get this. Riley did not know the man personally, but had become acquainted with him through a mutual interest in fishing. The rider was not named in the indictment, but the messages to him were the first time these two had ever talked. So, Think about how much risk this rider, this cop took in that he contacted someone he'd never talked to before. He'd never messaged this guy on Facebook before, but then felt the need to tell him, hey, delete all this stuff because you're going to get in, tr- they're, they're investigating this and you delete your social media, that you're, all the stuff you're posting about being in the Capitol. Dawson commented, on my uh, my post over here and linked me to this post of his about a different suspect, a different man who was arrested. This is a Duplin County man, North Carolina. This is from January 31st, 2022, this article. A Dublin County man has been charged in an indictment for teaching another individual how to make and use an explosive, knowing that the individual intended to use that 
instruction in the attempted murder of federal law enforcement. Christopher Arthur, 38, of Mount Olive, North Carolina, was arrested on January 22, 2022. According to court documents, in 2018, the FBI received information that another individual was attempting to organize and recruit for a militia group and was conspiring to engage against the United States government. On May 27, 2020, that individual was stopped by law enforcement in New York and was shot and killed following a two-hour police pursuit and an exchange of gunfire. During the execution of a search warrant on his vehicle, law enforcement located three IEDs. Numerous additional IEDs and firearms were found in the search of his residence, along with multiple Tackleberry Solutions tactical instructional manuals, which, which named as the author Christopher Arthur. A review of the individual's cell phone indicated that he had attended training with Arthur at Tackleberry Solutions in Mount Olive for multiple days in March of 2020. According to the search warrant affidavit of Arthur's residence, on March 19, 2021, the FBI covertly requested a free PDF document from Tackleberry Solutions. So, the FBI started investigating this guy at least as early as March of 2020, 2021. That would be two months after January 6th. So just to make this timeline here, FBI got a tip about this guy in 2018, about one guy in 2018. That led to him being stopped by law enforcement in 2020. That led to a, a, uh, a two-hour police suit, and then a shootout. Then they find a bunch of IDs from this guy. Then later on, they start investigating this Tackleberry Solutions thing two months after J6. On May 5th, 2021, Arthur Arthur at his residence in Mount Olive explained how to properly place IEDs through one's property, the importance of creating a fatal funnel, the setup and use of remote activated firearms, and how to evade arrest after killing members of law enforcement. All after learning the recipient of the explanation intended to kill federal law enforcement who might come to his home. At the conclusion, Arthur demonstrated how to make components of IEDs to include tripwire switches and improvised initiators. Once he was finished demonstrating how to make the components, Arthur provided them to the recipient of his training. So, What Dawson is positing here is could this guy be related? Could the FBI have been looking at this, this person who was putting out PDFs and training manuals on how to make IEDs? Could this guy have taught the person who made the J6 bomb or bombs? It's just speculation, but is it possible? The person who died in the shootout, get this. His name was Joshua Blessed, but his real name was Sergei Jurev. I wonder if Sergei or Sergeya, I wonder if Sergeya Jurev is a Ukrainian name. I don't know if it is. But we keep on finding things about the name 
things about people related to J6 that are that link back to Ukraine in some way. Um, it's all this is all looking up Journey instead of Jurev. <laughs> it wants me to look up. No, I want to search for Jurev. It's giving me the shootout with this guy. What is this? What is this? Maybe this tells me. Uh, it's just telling me name distribution. Hmm. It only links the uh, U.S. What if it's just a completely made-up name? I don't know. So here's that guy. North Carolina man arrested for instructing others on making and using explosives. That's that Christopher Arthur guy who was instructing people, including people in militias, on how to make explosives and how to kill law enforcement and get away with it. Here is the case. And... No update since September 15th. It's not concluded. Uh... I don't know if the case is on hold or what, but it hasn't been concluded. Now, Revolver has a really good couple articles that are really good here about the J6 pipe bomber. Although I don't agree with their take. Their take is that because the FBI hasn't shown us all the camera footage that there is, that must mean the FBI is covering it up. Um It's really easy to understand why the FBI isn't showing all the footage related to this. And the reason is because the footage they're not showing you, they're planning to use that in the court case. So they've released enough footage that the public has something to go on, but they're not going to release every single thing they have on this guy because then they would be releasing to the public evidence that they plan to use at trial. There's nothing about that that's unique or uh, reeks of a cover-up or anything like that. That's that's literally what all law enforcement do. They show you just enough that they that you can get an understanding of what they're looking for as far as information. And then they hold back the items of evidence they plan to use at the trial. Um what they're pointing out here is the money shot, the actual camera view of the guy placing the bomb right here in this location. But they don't need to show you that they need that for the trial. What they need you to see is this guy coming and going and to see if anybody recognizes him from when he was sitting on these two park benches and walking around in this area. If, and then this, these images like this, they don't need to show you every single piece of evidence that they have. Um, in fact, it would be foolish of the FBI to show to the public every piece of, inf- of evidence that they have before a trial. You know, that would be that would be dumb. So. This is one of the. I don't know, unsolved mysteries or something. I mean, this, like Catherine Harrod said, like the FBI upping the reward to a half million dollars does 
make it seem like it's a cold case. Like this is thing is shaping up to be a cold case. Um, and now I know that people are like, Oh no, this FBI knows exactly who it was and they're covering it up because it was actually a fed and they don't want anybody to know that. Well, I put about as much stock in that as I do what the left is saying, because the left is saying that this bomber is actually MTG. So like, I just think I just don't know. I, I just don't. I just think there's no, I think that's just reactionary. I do find it very interesting about in this revolver news article, which both their articles are very good. I just don't agree with their, their take on it. Um, that the really curious thing, probably the most curious thing about these J six pipe bombs is that they were planted the night before at about 7 PM to 8 PM roughly. But the timer on them is only a one-hour timer. And the timer was stuck with 20 minutes left. And then the first one was discovered at 12.40 p.m. And the Capitol breach happened at 1 p.m. Or the vote was supposed to happen at 1 p.m. So the thinking is, hey, these were planted so as to divert law enforcement attention from the Capitol right at the beginning of the voting. The timer set to 20 minutes. They were discovered at 20 minutes till 1. But the thing is, it was a one-hour timer, and the pipe bombs were set the night before at 7 to 8 p.m. So, this officer, who's the first one to respond, responds ends up responding at the exact time to where there's 20 minutes before these bombs are supposedly supposedly going to go off 20 minutes till the reps and senators are supposed to vote and start counting electors, but the bombs are stuck on 20 minutes. Like it's a, it's, it's a, that's what makes this thing so fishy to me. It's not fishy to me because the FBI can't find who it is. And so everybody's assuming it must have been a fed that they're protecting. What's what's fishing to me is that the bomb stuck at 20 minutes left, but this officer who is now convicted of obstruction of justice and deleting messages is the one who finds it at just the right time. Pretty weird. And everybody thinks that, well, the FBI must know who this guy is. They got cell phone tracking. They they tracked him around. There's all these cameras in D.C. The guy's got a mask, a hoodie. You can buy burner phones for cash. There are ways to evade these things. There are ways to evade these things. Maybe they have an idea of who it is, but they don't have enough 
and they need somebody to come forward and give them more information so they can actually make an arrest. I don't know. But to me, that's the most, of all the things about the J6 pipe bomber, this right here, and then this guy, are the most, the most curious. Those are what really, I just, I just got this feeling there's something there. Like these guys, this, this guy was, mo this guy was motivated to cover something up. And I, I just got this feeling that it relates to this. Last thing. Last thing. And then I got to go. Do y'all remember a, uh, Oh yeah, real quick. I can, I can, I have time to do these two. Cause this one's going to be real quick. Um, Debbie, Debbie stabbed me now. I think that's what Rush Limbaugh used to call her. Debbie, uh, Senator stabbed me now. Senator Stabenow. Uh, she announced she's retiring at the end of her current term. Uh, just FYI, she serves on the Senate finance committee, which regulates crypto. And she received more money than anybody else on that committee from FTX and FTX associates. Um, uh, she received about, are nearly $60,000. And she's announced she's retiring. I'm sure there's no coincidence there. I'm sure there's nothing about that that is connected whatsoever. Last topic. A couple weeks ago, do y'all remember I was talking about the uh, Donald Trump being allowed to use his own private team to search his properties for classified documents because, you know, DOJ is so incredibly worried about this classified material that they're allowing Trump to use private teams, third parties to search for it. Um, DOJ now wants to know who those private investigators are. A federal judge has ordered law lawyers for President Trump to give the government the names of the private investigators who searched Mr. Trump's properties late last year for any remaining classified documents as part of what appeared to be a step by the Justice Department toward questioning the investigators about their efforts. Hundreds of classified documents were later recovered by the government, blah, 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 blah. The fact that the Justice Department sought a formal order for the investigator's name suggests an increasing breakdown in trust between prosecutors, investigators, and the documents. I don't think so. I think it's just they're just having those names be, they just want the names of them. Um, I don't think it's a breakdown in trust at all because I think this is all an arrangement and they're all in on this together. And the DOJ isn't actually after Donald Trump. If they were actually after Donald Trump, the DOJ would have raided those properties themselves. But if you guys recall, around Thanksgiving, the private investigators hired by Mr. Trump conducted their own round of searches and found at least two additional documents bearing classification markings in a storage unit paid for by the Federal General Services Administration in West Palm Beach, Florida. So it's not even a storage facility or a storage unit that President Trump is paying for or that the Trump Organization is paying for. It's a storage unit that the federal government is paying for. Huh. 
<laughs> Interesting. I really, I'm looking forward to finding out in court documents who these private investigators are that Trump hired. The documents discovered at the storage facility were promptly returned to the government, but in a display of their lack of trust and their anger, prosecutors asked Judge Howe in sealed filings to hold representatives of Mr. Trump's post-presidential office in contempt for having failed to fully comply with an initial subpoena issued in May, demanding that he return all classified documents he took with him from the White House. At a court hearing held behind closed doors last month, Judge Howe put off ruling on the government's contempt request. Y'all remember that they wanted them to hold Trump in contempt or the lawyers in contempt. It was never going to happen. The more recent spat began with pres- prosecutors asked Mr. Trump's lawyers for the names of the investigators who searched the storage facility. Um, among those properties were Mar-a-Lago, Mr. Trump's golf course in Bedminster, New Jersey, and the Trump Tower in New York. Remember when I covered this, that that's something I'm really looking for is if the FBI decides to raid any of these properties, Bedminster or Trump Tower in New York. Because with Mar-a-Lago, they did and nobody knew about it until Trump told everybody about it. Be much more difficult to accomplish that at his golf club, and especially it'd be impossible at at Trump Tower in New York. There's no way that they could get away with visiting there without media noticing. According to people familiar with the matter, the lawyers ordered to make the investigate, the lawyers offered to make the investigators available for questioning, but wanted their identities shielded by a protective order out of concern that the government might leak the information to the news media. Instead of agreeing to a protective order, one of the people said, Prosecutors asked Judge Howe for a motion to compel the release of the investigators' names. A spokesman for the office of Jack Smith, the special counsel who was overseeing the document's inquiry, did not immediately respond to a message-seeking comment. If the private investigators are ultimately interviewed by prosecutors or are put in front of a federal grand jury in Washington that is investigating the handling of the documents, they will join a growing number of people close to Mr. Trump who have been questioned in connection with the case. We'll see what happens. This is a case I can't get I can't get access to because this is uh this is all sealed and whatnot. Um I've been checking in fact I haven't checked recently. There is that Politico and uh New York Times lawsuit that is trying to get some grand jury stuff unsealed. Nothing there. Check since I'm here, I'll check that I'll check that stuff. Let me grab this other one. And that's Politico. Here's New York Times. No, nothing new there. This is this is action against this Beryl Howell right there. They're trying to get her to unseal some grand jury stuff, but she's not doing it. So. All right, fam. That's the show for today. I do think this is going to go. The speaker battle is going to go to the 17th ballot. Um, let me check real quick and see if Trump has made an announcement. I'm looking to Trump to see if he decides to, uh, no, he hasn't. I'm looking for him to make another comment to see if he's going to endorse McCarthy again. 
and push them to again vote for McCarthy or if he's going to acknowledge that he's been nominated for speaker and try and shut that down. Um, we'll see. So go over to Badlands Media and watch their coverage. They've been fantastic. I know that they don't have the same perspective on everything like I do, but we don't have to agree. We can all get along and enjoy the show together. Um, their coverage has been excellent. I'm pretty sure it's going to be on John's Tell Patriots Rumble. So go there. And uh, I'll see you guys this Sunday night on Defected. Me and Burning Bright will do our Defected show at 9 p.m. Eastern um, here on Rumble. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. I haven't talked with Burning Bright that much this week. And I don't know how far apart or how close together we are on our perspectives now that we've had this week of a speakership battle, but um, it's going to be interesting for he and I to try and flesh out the narratives that are being born out of this week. Uh, Cause there's a bunch you could go with. Um, so enjoy the show today, guys. If Trump, one thing I'm sure of, if Trump wanted to shut down this speakership battle, if he wanted it to end right now, he could. He could end it right now. He could, I, I believe that he is, uh, I, I believe that he could just say, all right, that's enough. It's time to, I, I know that he basically did say that, but I think he could contact these 20 hours personally and, he could he could stop this right now. The stage is pretty well set for Trump to play negotiator right now. And uh hoping that he does. So God bless each and every one of you. Have an awesome weekend. Remember, we're not gonna win every battle, but we are gonna win this war. I'll see you on Sunday night. <laughs>